Hello and welcome back to the True Blue Sporting Podcast. It's been a little while since the last podcast, but we are back for the run home into the NRL Finals Series. And that kicks off with Round 20, a critical round for many sides in the competition, pushing for top four spots and those who are fighting it out in the bottom part of the eight to see who will be playing finals football this September. And it all kicks off with a massive clash on Thursday night. It is the Manly Seagulls up against the Sydney Roosters. It's 8th versus nine. It's a critical match. However, for Manly, they have seven outs, and that's due to a stance against a Pride jersey, which they will be playing with, um, in for this year's Women in League round, um, a, a great round for the competition. The, the Manly Warringah Seagulls, they have announced that they are going to wear a Pride jersey and seven players, and those inc- those include Tuapolotu, Olakowatu, Saab, Alloway, Schuster, Sipley, and Kula have all uh, been, not been stood down, have stood down for this contest due to religious uh, beliefs and not wanting to play in this jersey. And that's put Manly in an absolute spot of bother. These are seven, pretty much, first graders week in, week out. You think about the former Olakowatu's been in, Saab's a try-scoring machine, Schuster adds a lot of value off the bench. Josh Alloway, he's been arguably in career best form in the front row for them. Um, it, it results in two um, young wingers getting their opportunity on the wing, on the wing in Pio Secchi and Alfred Smalley. Um, and it has also opened up the return for James Sigiaro, his first game back in the NRL since 2019, where he was stood down over an incident. So it's great to see him back in the NRL uh, for the Roosters, Joseph Manu is back. However, he is back in the centre position. So they've lent towards Luke Keary and Sam Walker as their preferred uh, halves combination leaning into the finals. I think Joseph Manu is damaging wherever you put him on the field. However, just what he had been doing at the 5'8 position, he needed to be there. And it was just, I, I get that you want to get Keary in the side, but for this side moving forward, Joseph Manu should be the six um, ahead of Luke Keary. Um, the Roosters, they're really starting to hit their straps. A dominant performance against Newcastle last week and then the Dragons the week before on the Central Coast. They're finding their points, they're finding their defence and they're finding the Roosters' way. So I'm leaning towards the Roosters in this contest. I would have been leaning towards them before the outs for Manly. But if you look at the Manly side, it's been absolutely decimated. You know, Kurt De, uh, De, De Lewis is, is starting in the front row. Um, if you look at the bench, Sigiaro, Kepi, Tapao, Boyle, they still have a solid interchange bench and um, you know a, a solid squad, but I think just the sole amount of bodies missing and the dangerous um, elements of their games in Olakowatu, he's a weapon on, the, on that edge um, next to Daly Cherry Evans. He's an absolute weapon and would have caused the Roosters a bit of problems, would have been running at Luke Keary or, or Sam Walker. So, you know, that's, that's an extra string to the Seagulls bow, which is no longer with them for this contest. I'm going to go lean towards the Roosters. I think the Roosters are hitting their straps at the right time of the season. A lot of people were eulogising them earlier on in the year when they were sitting outside the top eight. They sit in the top eight at the moment, albeit in eighth. But I I genuinely think the Roosters are going to be pushing um, towards uh, securing a final spot. I think they will secure a final spot and end up playing finals footy in 2022. And, And Manly... This couldn't have come at a worse time for them in terms of the context of their season, although um, it is a, a very sensitive topic for um, 
both the players and the public for Manly's and their season. It couldn't have come at a worse time. Um, so I'm going to lean towards the Roosters to get the job done at Four Pines Park um, against Manly. Six o'clock on Friday night, it is the New Zealand Warriors up against the Melbourne Storm in Auckland. And Reese Walsh, well, after being benched last week, returns to the fullback spot. And this is the only thing that makes sense for New Zealand Warriors. Stacey Jones, the interim coach, had returned Walsh to the interchange bench to make a statement around the defence and the, and the structure of the side. Um, is it really of a statement, though, if you bring him back in a week after you made the change? I don't know. What did he see during the week? Only time will tell. Um with Reese Walsh, but he's uh, he has to be the fullback of this side for the remaining part of the season for the Warriors, just to um, you know compete and, and try and give their fans um, a bit of bit of joy. And what's been a pretty disappointing year for the Warriors, uh, they do return to Auckland once again, so it is a great opportunity for the fans to get back out there and see their team run around Melbourne. Well, we don't say this about Melbourne often, if not at all. They're a very very uh, tough spot in their season. They've just slumped to their fourth loss in a row. They've lost to Manly, um, the Sharks, South, and the Raiders. So that's four on the bounce for Manly, uh, for Melbourne, sorry. But we'd never see that. And it's a slump, um, which had probably been coming. They've suffered so many injuries to the outside backs. Um, this year, they've got people playing out of position. Pappenhausen has suffered a season-ending injury in that contest against the Raiders, which sees him out, as I said, for the rest of the year. Some would argue an ageing forward pack who could, um, who not necessarily have the drive that they once had. Kafusi, the Bromwich brothers, they're both off to the Dolphins at the end of this season. I think everyone's underestimating the loss that Dale Finucane had in the place and his leadership. So you could argue that the ageing forward pack, the depth in the outside backs has been compromised due to injury. And a lot of things are not going well for the Melbourne Storm. Craig Bellamy even admitted it in his last press conference against South Sydney and after that loss. He, he doesn't know if you can turn this around. But I think that's a bit of a, a Craig Bellaby mind uh, mind game. He's saying that to the media, but I think internally he will be um, revving his boys up and, and knowing what he needs to do to turn the corner. They've recently reached out to many clubs um, to see if they can get a few um, options and, and loans for the back end of the season in the outside back. They reached out to Josh Adokar, Reese Walsh, Jaden Campbell, but they've gone to the Tigers. Uh, they asked for Laurie, they've asked for Dewey, they've got David Norfolk. I think that's going to be a very good inclusion for them. Xavier Coates is only a couple of weeks away. So, but at the end of this, um, in a couple of weeks' time, Melbourne will have um, the, the, a wing combo of Coates and Norfolk. So, I, th I think it's going to be beneficial for Norfolk and both Melbourne. Um, but the biggest problem with Melbourne at the moment isn't their attack, it is defensively. They're not producing Melbourne performances in defence. And it appears that the game is quickening up from the forwards that they have, and the game style is needing to adapt. We were giving Melbourne so much credit in 2020 and 2021 due to the way they adapted their style from that grind, um, slow play the ball, slow ruck speed, which they were so good um, with and dominated with the likes of Smith, Slater and Kronk, to this fast, up-tempo game style with Grant, Munster, Jerome Hughes and Pappenhausen. But appear, it appears that 
that they're not playing that up-tempo style of footy, which they were once the rules changed. And I think teams are starting to catch up to Melbourne. Am I eulogising them, them, though? Absolutely not. Because Melbourne, when their back's against the wall, how many times have we said Melbourne are done, Melbourne are done in this Craig Bellamy era? It feels like we've said it almost a dozen times and they keep turning up and turning up. So I'm expecting them to bounce back um, this week against the Warriors. If we look at the Warriors, you know, they haven't, um, they've been pretty disappointing this year, obviously, and they had a real opportunity against Canberra and Canberra to hold on to victory there, uh, but they were just run um, over the top of by Canberra. Um, there was no real um, steeliness in their defence. They were very um, open to just say, here you go, Canberra, here's the game. So that's really disappointing to see, especially with many of them looking to impress their new coach coming in next year and Andrew Webster. And it was a great opportunity for them to put their hands up and say, this is why you should keep me on and be part of the squad moving forward for the Warriors. I was actually really impressed with the performance of Dejan Arcee at 5'8". I thought he was the Warriors' best on the weekend. Well, the second game on Friday night is shaping up to be an absolute belter between the Parramatta Eels and the Penrith Panthers. Obviously, everyone knows what happens the last time that these two met. Parramatta, they are the only team to have defeated Penrith all season. And it was a great display at Bluebet Stadium, breaking a 21-game streak at that ground. They now come to the home of the Eels at Combank Stadium, where the Eels have a very impressive record. Jerome Luai and um, Stephen Crichton, they both miss this contest through to injury. They're replaced by Jennings and O'Sullivan, respectively. Two very handy replacements who will go in there and do a job, obviously. Two recruits that the Dolphins have locked up for their inaugural season in 2023. Well, what Parramatta need to do, they just need to get a result. Because for me, Parramatta may struggle to win a game all season. Yes, that's right. I think Parramatta are going to miss out on the finals. They've got an incredibly tough draw. Um, it starts here with the Penrith Panthers. They then meet Souths, Manly, Melbourne, um, and I believe the Bulldogs are their final games this season, not in a, um, that order, but they're the teams that they've got to beat. Okay, maybe they get a job, uh, get the job done against the Bulldogs, but it's going to be a battle against every other club. And they're in and around uh, the mark where they are and where they're going to be competing to. If we looked at where Parramatta were at the start of the season after the result against Penrith, many were marking them as a top eight, uh, a top title contender. Sorry, not top eight, top title contender. But I think they miss out on the finals. Yes, it's a big call, but it's one I'm willing to make just due to the lack um, of potency in their attack at the minute. It just seems very sluggish. And it's not where it was at the start of the year. Whereas if we look at the other side of the ball and Penrith, well, they've been dominating sides all over the competition and, and throughout this season. Um, they currently sit 10 points clear at the top of the table. Um, they, they're in dynamic form, scintillating form. And who can stop them? Well, I think Cronulla showed a bit of a blueprint to beat Penrith. It's down the middle. It's taking the game to them, which is something that Parramatta can do with their power game. So that if Parramatta take the game to them and take the contest to them, then then the ball's uh, then the game's on. But 
I feel like when teams play Penrith, they get into their shell a bit and they, they're afraid to take the game on. What you need to do to play um, when you're playing against Penrith is take the game on, be free um, and be aggressive, both in your attack and your defence. You saw what Dale Finucane did. Yes, it didn't come off. It was a bit um, extravagant and it's obviously played out in the media and at the um, being referred by the match review committee. But he took the game to them. He was aggressive. He got up off his line. He said, boys, follow me. I'll show you how to beat this this team. And I think teams can beat Penrith, um, but they've just got to be at a level which is so incredibly hard to maintain for 80 minutes. If there's a side that can do it, it's Parramatta. They proved that earlier on in the season with that result that I mentioned prior. But just the way the Parramatta are playing at the minute, I can't see a result coming. Um, and as I said, yeah, I don't think they'll win um, more than one game to um, end off the season. Um, so I'm going to go for Penrith to just continue their dominant um, season so far and continue their march towards potentially a back-to-back premiership. And they've basically wrapped up their third, um, another minor premiership in this um, three-year stretch of dominance. Also, I did want to mention that this game, I will be um, commentating it on either Twitch or YouTube. I'm not entirely sure which one. Um, it will be on yet. I will be commentating um, and giving that a go. So stay tuned to the Instagram page. I will put up um, details about and links on where to follow for that one. And you can listen to me instead of Fox League or Channel 9 um, if you would like. Um, so if you look at the 3 o'clock game on Saturday, it is the Gold Coast Titans up against the Canberra Raiders. Um, the Titans, an extremely disappointing season this year. They currently sit 15th and very lucky to not be sitting 16th on the NRL ladder, but we will delve into that a little bit later. Whereas the Raiders, they're starting to hit some form towards what could be a finals campaign for them. Um, they're, they're winning games and they're doing exactly what they need to do. Are they the prettiest of performances? No, absolutely not. That game against the Warriors was scrappy and they barely just got over the line. But at this stage of the year, you just have to win and that's what they're doing. Uh, the Gold Coast Titans, a bit of controversy throughout the week. Kevin Proctor has been stood down by the club due to a vaping incident at halftime of the game. Uh, and a very stupid incident from Kevin Proctor, a leader of the club, goes into the sheds at halftime and the bathroom's in there um, and posts on Instagram um, with with the caption, halftime vape. Um, your team's getting flogged and, and you go and do that. And that's a leader of the club. I think it shows a lot about the culture currently at the Titans. Um and Holbrook, he's been put under a lot of pressure. As a lot of coaches been sacked this year and a um, bit of murmurs that he will be looking, uh, that they will be looking to look into that contract situation. I don't think they'll sack him. They'll commit to him moving forward because uh, I think we forget that at the end of last year, they did play in a final series and they probably should have won a final. Yes, they did have a losing record in that series, but I think that's earned him a bit of grace moving forward. So this one's an interesting contest. One's a desperate side because uh, they're running 15th and they're looking to avoid the wooden spoon and one's desperate to keep their season alive and their top eight um, hopes and credentials alive. And, and it's a must-win for Canberra. There's no underestimating that. They need to get the job done uh, against the lacklustre Titans side. Yes, it's on the Gold Coast, but they need to go in, get the win and then leave and then rebuild uh, moving forward to a very tough contest against the defending premiers in Penrith the week after that back at home. So this is a win that they must bank um, and get uh, on the weekend, especially with that Manly Roosters game. 
that's going to probably put one of those sides out of contention or it's going to drop them back in the field. But if they can win here, it's going to be really critical um, for their season. Moving forward, I'm going to back Canberra to get the job done over the Titans. 5.30, arguably the game around alongside the Eels and the Panthers. It is the Cronulla Sharks up against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. These two sides, um, they're, they're probably the surprise packets. Cronulla, in terms of not many people predicted much from them at the start of the season, they currently sit inside the top four and they lost no fans um, and no plaudits against, um, from their performance against the Panthers. They were fantastic, although um, the defeat, they pushed Penrith and they were really there with them until probably that last 10 minutes where Penrith, they just pulled away and, and proved and flexed their muscle a bit too much. Where South Sydney, many people were writing them off, and in my opinion, very stupidly writing them off. Um, I always believe that once Latrell Mitchell returns, South Sydney returned, is such a barometer for where that side's at. When Latrell's up and humming, um, South Sydney are going well, and he, he just provides so much confidence to the players around him in Cook, uh, Walker, Ilias, he's just instrumental for that side. And the fact that Latrell's back just means, yeah, that these players have the confidence and South Sydney are a real premiership threat and don't doubt that for a second. Best believe that South Sydney are going to cause some damage in this competition. They will secure a final spot. I see a bit of narrative that they won't finish in the finals. Um, they will finish in the finals, whether that be um, towards the bottom of the eight. Or, or even push for a top four spot, who knows? But they have Latrell Mitchell fit and firing, and that's the most important thing. If he can stay on the field and compete for his side, then who knows what South Sydney are going to do in the back end of the season. We look at their season last year. It was so dependent on Latrell Mitchell. Many pundits saying if Latrell Mitchell was there on grand final day, the story is completely different, and South Sydney have added a 22nd premiership to their cabinet. So... Although it's a lot of pressure on him, it just frees up and provides confidence in the other players around him. He's one of those people, when he's in the room, everyone grows a bit taller. Everyone pushes their shoulders back and goes, okay, we're on today because Latrell Mitchell's right beside me and I know that he will do absolutely anything for me. If we look at Latrell Mitchell, his game style, he's injecting himself into that fullback role so superbly. He's not a volume fullback like a Dylan Edwards or James Tedesco that takes up to 25 carries a game, averages about 200 metres a game. He injects himself in key moments and is just a power, strength type of player. And that's what makes him so influential uh, to South Sydney. He just can inject himself at times and create absolute damage, whether that's ball carrying himself or he's got silky hands, just like a half, which creates space for his outside men. Some of his hands on the weekend against Melbourne were fantastic. A few passes to Alex Johnston, who is in try-scoring form that we have never seen before, at least in my timeline, um, my time watching the game. There's a very big chance that he will catch uh, Ken Irvine's record. Um, he currently sits at over 150 tries, and he's only 27 years of old. So we could see the greatest try-scorer of all time on the end of Latrell Mitchell's play, and that is extremely terrifying for oppositions this season. Um, I spoke about the Dale Finucane, um moment uh, in that game against Penrith. That sees him miss two weeks for a head clash. 
Now, I can't believe that he that he's spending time on the sideline for this. Uh, it was yes, it was extravagant. He was rushing up to emphasise, um, to make a statement for his side, and, and the game was in the balance. He said, "Okay, I need to get up here. I need to get off my line. I need to make a statement." He did that. He yes, he got it fractionally wrong. It wasn't overly wrong. He made an error. He got up off the line, and it was extravagant. Clash of heads. And now he's spending two weeks on the sideline. It just doesn't make sense to me. It wasn't penalised on the day. So if it's not penalised on the day, which was reviewed by the bunker, why is it that the match review committee saw a charge in it? But yet we all know how how the bunker can just mess things up. And I will touch on that in a little while. If we look at this game, for me, it's a toss of the coin. I really like the way that both the teams are going about their football um, in the last couple of weeks. I think Cronulla probably edge out South Sydney, but it's going to be an extremely tight contest where South Sydney looking to maintain the momentum which they are getting and look to click clear from the likes of Manly Roosters, the Raiders and the Dragons at that bottom part of the eight and really push up um, towards the other half of it. So this is going to be a flip of the coin for me. I did say Cronulla um, and that's with no real confidence because I do um, like the way that South Sydney are going. The 7.30 game on Saturday night is the Brisbane Broncos up against the West Tigers. Uh, the West Tigers, sorry. The Brisbane Broncos, they are in scintillating form at the minute. They continue their superb season um, into fourth position on the ladder and they demolished Parramatta over the last weekend at Combank Stadium. A fantastic performance led by the likes of Reynolds, Mam, um, Haas was fantastic, Carrigan was fantastic, Carrigan and Haas, they're, they're creating a front row combination which is arguably the best in the competition, the best one-two punch in the middle in the competition. Um, they're, what they're doing is is fantastic. Um, I, I really love the way that that Haas he really just takes it to the opposition. There was a there was a carry that he took against Parramatta. He went straight in the middle of ha, um sorry of Barlow and Regan Campbell Gillard, and then Marnie came and was the third man in. But he absolutely stormed and powered through those three individuals who are fantastic defenders as well as very very strong humans, and he just powered through them with sensational leg drive. And then Patrick Carrigan. Lisa added another string to his bow with that ball playing um, in the middle of the field, which only creates time and space for Adam Reynolds and Ezra Mann. Ezra Mann is getting better and better as the season goes on with that combination with Reynolds. He's just playing so freely, and it reminds me a lot of Anthony Milford when he was at Brisbane alongside Benny Hunt. It's a very similar combination. One's the game manager, one does a lot of the kicking, and one's very extrinsic, outgoing and just a lot of flair and willing to take the game on, and it's just blending so well for them at the minute. Um, we look at the Tigers. They could not catch a break on the weekend. Um, everyone thought that they had the job done. They wrapped it up, that try in the last minute. Um, many believed that that was the game and that would be it. Um, although there was a twist in the tail and um, the bunker decided to implement themselves into the game and into the result and change the context of the result um, by making up a, a, a decision which no one in the NRL community um, has seen and, quite frankly, is 
disgraceful. It is the worst call that I've ever seen. And it's probably arguably the worst call in NRL history. The fact that you can penalise an individual for looking at the ball and running back towards it is disgraceful. Kyle Felt played it so well. And this is what it's encouraging players to do. This is now the precedent that the NRL have set. If you run into a um, an opposition player, hit the ground extravag- extravagantly, then we'll blow a penalty for you. This is what it's telling players to do. It, it, it's just absolutely disgraceful, and it's taken the gloss of what should have been a fantastic win for the Tigers, going to Townsville, their backs against the wall. They've been playing not the best footy. This They've been playing horrific footy this season, but they have been improving over the last couple of weeks with the, uh, the games against Parramatta, almost getting the job done against Penrith, and they should have been um, victors on the weekend, as I said before. But the fact that you can go um, and call that um, is disgraceful for mine. They sh- it's taken the gloss off what should have been a fantastic performance um, and, and result for the Tigers. If we look at who um, their players last week, Dane Laurie played his best game all year and arguably the best game of his career. He was fantastic out of the backfield. Uh, Jackson Hastings, the Brooks, Adam Dewey, their combination looks to be sorting itself out, Dewey. Um, Jackson Hastings in the middle uh, of the field playing a lot more direct. There were stages where they were moving the ball way too sideways, but at at times in that second half, they switched it and they started to go more direct and at the defence and it created space for the outside men. Um, So the Tigers, although they didn't get uh, credited with the win, there's a lot of uh, positives there moving forward for the back end of the year. As I mentioned earlier, David Norfoluma, he's moving over to Melbourne. And for the Tigers, well, they haven't been playing him in the last couple of weeks. So it does make sense for them to allow him to go over. And the clubs, and the two prospective clubs do have a very strong relationship. We obviously saw Harry Grant come to the Tigers and Paul Momorowski go over there a couple of seasons ago. So this isn't the first time we've seen a loan between the two clubs. So it does make sense for both of them. Norfolk gets the opportunity to go and compete for a premiership after being so loyal to the Tigers. And he'll return with... Uh, Melbourne principles, which he'll be able to implement into the young squad at the Tigers. Um, and, and he's had a few off-field um, indiscretions, which going up to Melbourne will hopefully um, sort of iron him out and, and hope him moving forward in that regard. So a great performance for the Tigers on the weekend. Um, I don't think they, get, they back it up. I think um, going to Suncorp and playing the Broncos is a very tough task. And what a, what a tough um, month of footy it has been for the Tigers in Parramatta, Penrith, um, the the Cowboys last week, and then the Broncos. That's that's a very tough month of footy, albeit that Penrith were very undermanned. But they haven't lost any um, sort of... They, they haven't um, gone backwards. They've continued to move forward in their performances, and they, they reached rock bottom... Uh, a couple of months ago, Saki Maguire. They've now got a plan. They've got the plan of Sheens for the next two years and then club great Benji Marshall taking over in 2025 as the head coach. And I really am excited to see how that goes. I'm excited to see that the Tigers have a plan and that they're continuing to develop develop week in, week out. Um, I just think that sort of they could have got the result against the Cowboys and they were credited with the result. I think there's no doubt that the Tigers would put in a red-hot go on the weekend against the Broncos. They may even push them for a job uh, for the for the win. But 
just the, the fashion in which they lost would be so demoralizing for the squad. I don't know how they would be taking it internally, but you could just imagine how demoralizing those sheds would have been after the game. Obviously, it was James Tamo's 300th game as well, so they were looking to put in a performance for him. But they put in the performance, they just didn't get the result, and they were let down by the bunker and the NRL. They were let down um, in a way which we haven't seen before. So um, that that is probably why I'm going to lean towards the Broncos to get the job done. They've been in scintillating form as well. So the Broncos at Suncorp, they beat a Tigers side, which will be tough, uh, but not good enough on the night. Two o'clock on Sunday afternoon takes us to the Newcastle, uh, to Newcastle and McDonald Jones Stadium, where the Newcastle Knights take on the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. And a lot of talk this week. Ponga is rested for the rest of the season after suffering his third head knock, um, one which was pretty sickening, to be honest. It wasn't the initial um, contact to the head, but the bang, the banging action on the floor, um, you know, is is very worrying. Um, it was this very strong contact to the floor. Um, and, and you don't like to see a star player of our game um, suffer a, a concussion like that. So he'll sit out the rest of the season. And quite frankly, um, that that's um, Newcastle done uh, from doing anything in the back end of the year. They, they were out of finals contention anyway. However, any fight and any, um, you know, commitment to the cause could go with Caelan Pogger. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the performances they put up in the next month and a bit uh, will be quite disappointing for their fans and put a bit of pressure Adam, under, um, sorry, a bit of pressure um, about the position of Adam O'Brien as the head coach. Um, just, yeah, they're just, with the roster they've got, they should be competing. Um, they've, they've finished finals in the last two seasons and, and this is a very disappointing season for them. You'd expect them to be pushing um, upwards towards um, the top eight, potentially not making the top eight, but they're basically out of contention anyway. Um, and they're playing some pretty poor football. There is no resolve in their defence, and there doesn't appear to be any resilience when anything goes against them. Um, so that's where they've got to build and um, focus on within the next month, in my opinion. They've just got to focus on building resilience when things don't go their way. And I think that's going to be very tough to do without their captain and their leader in Kalen Ponga. Um, if we look at the other side of the board, the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, well, if we were talking about lack of resilience and um, not being able to get up for the cause, you'd probably look at the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs at the start of the year, and rightly so. Um, but they have completely turned a corner in season 2022, uh, led by Matt Burton and Josh Adokar. They're, they're really um, developing a culture down there, um, which is of the Canterbury of old and, and what we're used to seeing from Canterbury. Obviously, a few lean years in the past couple of years, but the Canterbury Bulldogs are a powerhouse in the competition and deserve to be fighting towards the top eight. They're not going to make it the top eight this year. I will acknowledge that. But they're putting the right foot forward. Um, Mick Potter's done wonders for their attack. Their attack has turned on a dime after his appointment, and they're just playing a free style of footy, which allows their, their key players and their their playmakers to really just take the game on and be free and extrinsic um, and, and express themselves on the football field. And that's exactly what you want to do as a playmaker. Um, and that's all you can ask for um, from your coach and, and um, your game plan. So they're, they're being really free in the way they play. I think they'd get the job done and, the, and they get it done convincingly. They're playing. It reminds me a lot of when the, uh, the Titans went on that run at the back end of the season in 2020, they won something like, 
six games towards the end of the season. I mean, they were playing just a freestyle of footy. It's very similar to the way they are. And for Bulldogs fans, they would hoping, be hoping that this will follow into next year. And it's about building the blocks for next year for Canterbury um, and then going the right way about that. And I think they'll add another win to their um, column this season over the Newcastle Knights. And to round off round 20, it is the St. George Illawarra Dragons coming up against the North Queensland Cowboys. A critical game for the Dragons to keep their season alive. And all they have to do is um, just get the job done and win. Um, however, they will have to do this without no Cody Ramsey, who's been fantastic for them. And he's replaced by Moses Embai at fullback. Tyrell Sloan comes on to the interchange bench. So there could be a late change with Sloan um, going into the fullback spot. And, uh, and by returning to the utility spot, which he has spent a majority of the season in. For the Dragons, they have been um, led by Ben Hunt. And Ben Hunt has been arguably the best player in the competition this season, driving that team and carrying that team towards where they are sitting on the competition ladder. And I don't think it's any coincidence that he is sitting at the top of the Dalian medal. And I think he will win the Dalian medal to this season. He's doing some fantastic things at that club and really just driving them towards where they need to be in order to compete um, and make finals. And, and it could arguably be one of the greatest individual seasons, what he's doing right now, um, carrying a roster like that and um, a side like that to where they could potentially go is very exciting. And Ben Hunt, it's great to see him getting the plaudits and the um, raps he deserves after um, people turned their back on him after the 2015 grand final. People are finally starting to realise the fantastic player that Ben Hunt is and um, has always been in the competition. Uh, the Cowboys, well, they got the two points done um, and that, that they can't complain about that. Uh, although it was in controversial um, fashion, they got the two points in a very disappointing performance for themselves and they'll be looking to bounce back. Um, that's not That that wouldn't be acceptable under their new um, standard under Todd Payton, they've set. Um, and yeah, it was a very disappointing performance for them. Um, but now the question is, uh, rising, are they the best of the rest? They currently sit second on the, on the NRL ladder. Yes, they're 10 points behind um, Penrith, but are they the best of the rest? I think you could probably create a conversation and, and an argument that they are. I just doubt them in a final series at this stage. We haven't seen them there. And when a bit of pressure is put on them, how will they go? They're youngsters and, and the likes of Dearden and Nanai, they did that. Um, that you know, they, they rose to the occasion in an origin decider. Um, so Chad Townsend, he's been there before. Valentine Holmes has been there before. Tamalolo's been there before. So they've got players that have been there before, but it's just the, the fringe of the squad. How will they um, rise to another level in a final series? I've probably still got the Cronulla. I think Cronulla are probably the best of the rest in the competition at the moment. Um, yeah, so that that's where I sit on that conversation. But you could create a really strong debate around the Cowboys being the best of the rest. I think Valentine Holmes was fantastic um, in what was a poor performance for them um, against the Tigers. He was probably their best on that day. Um, if we look at this contest, I've got, got to lean towards the Cowboys, but um, it'll be a desperate uh, Dragons side that rocks up to Wynn Stadium on Sunday afternoon, desperate to win, desperate to keep their season alive, and that's what I love about this back end of the season. You've got so many teams who are desperate just to get a win. It doesn't matter how it comes. It doesn't matter if it's pretty or ugly. You've just got to get the job done and get the win. But I think the Cowboys will probably be too strong 
for the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Well, that's my thoughts ahead of the round 20 of the NRL. I'll go th- through my tips once again. I've got the Roosters defeating Manly on Thursday night, the uh, Storm defeating the Warriors in Auckland, Panthers way too strong for the Eels, and I'll be calling that one on Twitch or YouTube. Kept Stay tuned for confirmation on where that will be. The Raiders, they will defeat the Titans on Saturday afternoon, and the Sharks will just get the job done over South Sydney. Brisbane, too strong at Suncorp for the Tigers, and the Bulldogs and Cowboys will be victors on Sunday afternoon. Well, that's just my thoughts. Thanks for joining us on the True Blue Sporting Podcast, and I'll see you next time.